0: monsters i'm taylor doll that's dylan ryan and we had a week off so we had um, extra time to think about these last two games (laughs) dylan and these are not two games i want to think about too much Um, they i guess i could say the vikings game at least we came back they made it a game at the end because at first i thought that game was going to be like 45 to 3
1: the way it was going i mean yeah they scored pretty much at will in the first half justin jefferson was Made a very good case for my, for me for him to be the best receiver in the NFL that mm-hmm. week. Obviously, the second half didn't go as well for them. But, I mean, it's so frustrating how this team just can't put together full games. I mean, I you know. had this situation with the Commanders where, like, I mean, they had that one Darnell Mooney, to end, Darnell Mooney touchdown in to the half. And so, technically, that was some success in the first half. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was at the end of it. Yeah. And they just haven't – they've been a really slow starting team. So, it's frustrating to see that. And, like, to me, that's a big coaching thing. Yeah. Because uh, you just got to get your eyes prepared for the team. Prepared for the game, and obviously they're good enough to adjust within the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's just
1: try and do it a little bit before sooner,
0: yeah. yeah. And I think that's that can directly correlate to a lot of the young on the offense. Um, I think that when you look at our offensive line now, for example, which we will talk in depth in this episode a little bit later, but. Braxton, Larry, Tevin, and Sam are all three years or younger and in our starting line. You know, like Cody White here is mixed in there. Lucas Patrick's mixed in there. And those are the two guys that give you a little bit of veteran in your offensive line. But they're not like all pro veterans <laughs> that are helping your offensive line build up. Um, both running backs are young. But our run game is probably the best, most consistent part of this football team right now. Would you say that?
1: I'd love to agree with you on that. Yeah.
0: And wide receivers just... It's just all over the place right now. I think that uh, Darnell Mooney is picking up a little bit. We're seeing more of Mooney, and that's good. I think we can hope that with Nikhil Harry back and getting Velas a little more into it, not dropping mu- muffing punts, um, we can draw people away from Mooney a little bit. I don't think that Nikhil Harry coming back is going to all of a sudden he's going to have, you know, f- 100 yards and a touchdown or a couple touchdowns. But I do think it gives people... Uh, if, especially if he does start making some plays, people will start being like, okay, well, now we can't put three guys on Mooney because we got to watch some of these other players now. But even that, it's it's just a lot of newness, a lot of youngness, and none of it is really helping. And I think that's why it takes a minute to start picking up. But the frustrating part, too, is when you watch this team, they they were in the red zone four times and only scored seven points out of that. Like, you can't do that.
1: I mean, to me, that's that's on Luke getsy I'd say. It's yeah. red zone execution. You're going to be able to call the right plays. And, like, yes, there is a certain level of you don't have a ton of talent on the offense and there's going to be some trips where you're not going to get the points you want. Yeah. But the level they're going at is just unacceptable.
0: I was watching the Jags game this last weekend, and they lost. But both times they were inside, which the the Bears were inside the probably eight, I think, two of those red zone trips. And they scored on one, which was a little bit farther out. But I think two of the other three, they were like, Inside the 8, if not at least inside the 10. And what the Jags were doing is giving the ball to Trevor and just letting Trevor go. And it was working. He scored two touchdowns last week. Justin can do that. I don't know why we are trying to do weird, fancy plays when we're inside the 10. Just score a touchdown. Or maybe take three points when you know you can't score as an offense. And that's what's frustrating to me. Like, Don't go for it on a fourth down when we haven't made it in the last two.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for like the casual NFL fan, you'd be like, they're closer to the end zone. Mm-hmm. It should be easier, and obviously, like you'd think Mm-mm. that, but like it gets so condensed. Oh, it's not. Yeah. yeah, and like once it's so condensed, it's so much harder to find the you know the openings within an offense, especially when you're passing. Yeah, and they just aren't able to do anything when they're condensed like that. And it's been really frustrating, honestly. Yeah, so. it's been,
0: and it's like it gives you you're like so pumped up because Justin drives you down the field, or Khalil Herbert has a big run, and you're like, yes, like we're about to score, and then nothing out yeah of it.
1: like if you think you're going going down to like the 10 yard line you're mm-hmm. just like let's go and like there's been a couple times where like they've had big Khalil runs or big Justin runs or even like a couple big David runs when mm-hmm. they get down there and then like they do that and then you're just like well they didn't score there we we'll are probably gonna get three points yeah if that yeah
0: and that's what the frustrating thing with me for that one was after the first one I literally tweeted after we didn't get points out of that first red zone trip and I was like it's gonna come back to bite us like it's going to come back this is why we're gonna lose the game because we didn't take points on this and little did i know we would do that two more times um i think you could look at it as as some positive they're getting there last year we could barely get the ball past the 50 yard line to be honest with you like if we were in the red zone last year is a miracle because we once we got to the 50 the offense just halted and this season at least we're driving we're making some plays to get down there they just got to figure out some sort of red zone weapons um red zone something that works for them Granted, there was another one. The Dante Pettis was a pass interference. They didn't call that. Um You, you got to call that. Like his, yeah. He had his arm completely hooked.
1: I thought he broke his back for a second. Uh, the way he was bending.
0: And like, so that right there is a touchdown. And, but at some point, I don't want to keep making excuses and be like, well, this penalty or this penalty or whatever, because you had three chances and you didn't get any points out of those three chances. Um, but anyways, Dylan, that brings us back. We, we are back to pick another monster. And there isn't anybody that really outperformed themselves this last game. So no you, skill
1: position players, for sure.
0: Yeah. And so you and I kind of went back and forth, and we were like, all right, who do we go with this? Because do we want to waste a week and pick someone who played mediocre? Um, because we could have done that for some people. We could have picked some guys that had a, a decent game. We could have picked Darnell Mooney. you know." And,
1: I, I, quick, actually, quick, a little bit, digre- or going off topic a little bit. <laughs> Have you ever seen a better catch from a Chicago Bear? Oh my gosh, than Darnell Mooney's! <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, the stretch—it was so good. And I just remember it brought me back because that couple weeks ago, when people immediately started talking about complaining that the Bears didn't pick George Pickens because he caught the ball one time in the game, but it was like that type of catch. I immediately was like, "See, we have someone who can do that." Did Darnell you see what, Mooney's a what, monster. Uh,
1: George, not uh, George. Uh, Darnell had to say about Pickens' catch. Uh-uh. He said that he thought he said Pickens had the better catch. Which really? I was like, surprising he gave him that, but. Both of course, incredible he's gonna catches, say that. So.
0: Darnell was also very mad at himself, and I kind of like that. I am seeing that, like him and Justin, and their press conferences after the games were very much like. He, Darnell was so mad at himself because he was like, "I should have," because he dropped. He what was One it at the.
1: He bobbled it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the final play. Yeah,
0: And so he was so angry at himself. It like bobbled. He was like, if I would have caught it the first time, it would have been a touchdown and we would have won. Yeah. Um, But that wasn't all on Darnell either. Was that a a great throw? No. Um, But anyway, so we kind of filtered through who could potentially be the person this week. And we haven't had an offensive lineman yet. Probably because the offensive line has not played um, great or even good. Uh, But there have been pieces that we've seen. I think Tevin Jenkins has played really good this season. He has really impressed me. Um, He hasn't had those full reps every game at right guard, so that's why I'm waiting a little longer to see once they kind of settle and see where this line is going to sit because him and Lucas Patrick were rotating so much for all of those games. Um, I think Cody Whitehair has had a year that he's playing better than he was at least last year. Um, Sam Musfer has played terrible Braxton, who it's funny because it shows non-offensive line people because I wouldn't have known Braxton Jones was having a terrible last few games until I started reading all of the stuff that actual offensive line people are saying about Braxton, and I guess he's not playing too well. Um, But that just shows how much I'm actually staring at the offensive line during a game because I'm just not. You look where the ball is. Yeah, and um, yeah, so... We're, we're not going any of those routes. We're going Larry Borum. And the reason we're going Larry Borum is because I think some people, there's some arguments right now. And some people are saying, you know, he he's not progressing. He needs to figure things out. He still has so much development and blah, blah, blah. And in my eyes, the dude played started only 19 games in college. He also didn't play high school football He didn't play football until high school. He didn't play varsity until his junior year, and we'll get to that in a little bit. We coach. We talked to his coach from high school at Brother Rice, um, Coach Dave Sofran, and he kind of goes into how Larry got into football and stuff. But this dude, his whole entire life has been a little, a little late. You know, like a look, it's always been like more of the potential side of things. So he didn't start varsity football until his junior year when he went. He got he wasn't highly recruited because we'll get into that a little bit later, too. But coach says there could have been some some of the um, wrong things marked. for What was it on? Like his uh, it wasn't like a pro day. It was just like a workout or whatever. But Uh, his measurables, whatever, yeah. Yeah, A scout came in. He disagreed with some of the things the scout said. We'll get to that in a little bit, which he said potentially probably messed up some of the other offers he could have gotten. But anyways, he went to Missouri. Only started 19 games at Missouri. Last year, the offensive line was an absolute hot mess disaster, and everyone was getting hurt and injured, and they were moving everybody around, and Nagy didn't know what the hell he was doing, and he only started eight games. And then now we're six games in, and people are pushing the panic button on Larry Borum. So weird to me, like... Relax a little bit first of all, this entire line is struggling right now um, and I think that you can't judge somebody off of this short time in the n f l and I asked the serious question in our little text between all the windy City gridiron guys, like how long do you give someone at left or right tackle before like before you say they're bad or they're good like are you really gonna say that after Fourteen games, no, yeah, Yeah, like he hasn't even played a full season in the NFL yet, and after only playing nineteen at Missouri, I think you got to give this guy a little bit of time to settle in and figure some things out. Um, But anyway, so Larry Borum is our guy. I'll just go over some of the things. First of all, let's let's start with this offensive line, Dylan. It's just been Swiss cheese. (laughs) It's just so five sacks this last week. The line let Um, so Lester. He goes through every week and does the um, the sack watch for 2022. So he also a quick glimpse to show you how bad this line has looked so far. The most sacks ever allowed through the first six weeks, but dating back to Mike Mart's time there, which we know that offense was just so such a disaster at certain times. I thought you meant um, to say
1: dynamic and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so back to 2010, Mike Mart's. Offense of line allowed 27 sacks in the first six weeks. Do you know how many we're at, Dylan? Right now, 23.
1: That's too many.
0: Last year at this time, we had 22. You know, the year before that in 2020, 11. Yeah. So uh, it's just it's such a mess to me, and it and we'll we'll get to it in a little bit, but not all of it is on these offensive linemen. Justin is on his own creating some of these sacks. And I think that we, we've we known the issues with Justin. We heard it in college. He holds the ball too long. Um, I think at this point he's trying to get things done so much that sometimes, like, if he doesn't see his first option, he's just like, I got to do it on my own. And then it ends up, he doesn't want to get rid of the ball, so he ends up backwards. taking a sack. Yeah, so it just gets kind of messy sometimes. And I think that's just Justin trying to do too much. And I think that he even made a comment, I, I want to say it was yesterday, that he was saying, like, you don't realize like once he if he just got if he got hit three plays ago, that's kind of sometimes still in his head. So he's just waiting to get hit again and so instead of doing that, he takes off. And then that ends up instead of getting sacked on your the line of scrimmage or a couple yards back, he gets sacked twelve yards back because he just ran backwards. Um those are things that Justin has to work on. The things that the coaching staff, I think this week that we had a long week of practice, needed to hammer this in hard. Like, Justin, you cannot you cannot take these sacks. Throw the ball away. Yes. Like, you have to. It's just—and not launch it down the field into, some, into the defender's hands. We don't want that either. But there was the five sacks— five sacks this week not pretty um just the breakdown real quick of who so of those 23 sacks seven and a half of them are on justin fields and this is lester going through and accounting for them obviously some people when you look at different things may have different numbers because everyone kind of account looks at that that a little
1: subjective yeah
0: um but seven and a half of them were justin fields four and a half on braxton jones Four and a half, he said, sacks happen. So no, not on a particular person. Probably more of that pass rusher just did his job, you know. Um, Two and a half only for Larry Borum on the season. Uh, Two on Lucas Patrick, one and a half on Sam Mustapher, and a half on Khalil Herbert. So uh, Larry Borum, I think, has been interesting. I think there's a lot of development that needs to happen, but... I thought it was a good person to choose because we haven't like I said, we haven't talked about the offensive line. You and I aren't we can't sit there and talk about like hand techniques and like footwork on the offensive line, but we can sit there and look at it and be like, that person has allowed sacks or that person's getting pancake or that person's getting shoved back into our quarterback constantly and that is one of Larry's problems. Um but it it's cool to kind of see where this guy comes like how do you become an offensive lineman?
1: Yeah. It's, I mean it's it's I mean usually you're a big kid. <laughs> yeah. That's usually where it starts. And they're
0: like, You just here, you look huge. My brother was an offensive lineman and that's what happened. Like he was a yeah. catcher, played baseball, and the coach at Bartram here in Jacksonville was like, Hey, which where Nathan Peterman went. Uh, my brother was offensive lineman for Nathan Peterman that's in hilarious. high school. But the coach pretty much like saw my brother catching in a baseball game and was like, You're big. Do you want to come play offensive line? And my brother's like, I don't know how to play offensive line and he was like, We'll teach you. It's fine. Like, come on. And my brother did it didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Baseball was his sport. But he was like, it was kind of cool. Like, you know. It like- <laughs> sounds
1: like a similar experience that Larry Borden yeah. had. You know, we'll get into that later in the interview. And I don't know, kind of just touch on the offensive line a little bit. It's just, I see guys like Andrew Luck and Cam Newton, where they eventually got offensive lines more established. But earlier in their careers, they just got the absolute crap kicked out of them. Yeah. And Cam Newton, his body fell apart. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Luck, he started getting all those injuries every year and stuff. And Which is
0: terrifying. And
1: like credit to him, like he was like, I'm not doing Can't this do anymore. It. And yeah. like you know, he's like, I'm going to walk away. You know, do what I want to do. And I
0: they, don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to Justin
1: <laughs> either. But like at the same time, like you know, Andrew Luck, I respect that. You know, do be happy with your life and all that. But it's just like it scares me so much. And like seeing Justin get hit so much, he hasn't had one of those big injuries yet. But like. He's getting chipped away at, chipped away yeah. at, and like the more it happens, the more likely it's going to happen. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, last year we saw rib stuff already. Luckily, that wasn't more serious than what it was. This year, he after this last game, his shoulder was messed up. Um, eventually, it's going to be an injury because yeah, he is taking some big hits too, and they I also he tore
1: his ACL in one of those sacks. Like yeah, he that, I know. It looks so scary. Like, yeah
0: oh, God, it scares me. And every time I'm like, oh, God. And then he does his little thing where he does a push-up and jumps back up. And I'm like, that's so cool. Tough. But one time, it's not. Like, one time we're going to see Justin laying on the floor a little too long and I'm going to cry. Like, I'll, I think I'll physically cry. I'll yeah. be like, all right, Trevor send me in time. Um, Northwestern's but, finest. It, and it's like, you look at Joe Burrow and the Bengals. The Bengals have had three years to fix their offensive line and they haven't done it either. Joe Burrow's already tore his ACL once. And this year, I think, I want to say within the first four games or something. He already had like 13 sacks on him. I don't know where he's at right now. I'll have to look at that real quick. But he's another one that like, you got to help your guy or he's going to be in that same situation as Cam Newton and Andrew Luck where they're like, I can't do this. Like, it's physically impossible to get hit by 300 pound men over and over and over and over again. You saw... Tom Brady this last week lose his mind out of his offensive line because he's getting hit and he's only had nine sacks on the season. He's only been sacked nine times. Justin had 23.
1: Imagine how he feels.
0: Oh my God. I I feel so bad for him and it just makes me so frustrated and it it's, I also think that there's guys on this line that have the potential to be better and so like, it's frustrating. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think everyone could be better. Like yeah. Larry Borum, to his credit, probably has been the most consistent and the best thus far but like across the board, like no one is really Blown me away with yeah. the play. And like, it's hard to do that with the offensive line, but it's possible. You see huge pancakes. You see guys get driving to the sidelines. Like, it's, you can make a highlight play as an offensive lineman. Yeah. And we haven't seen a ton of those so far. No.
0: Um, but that leads us to this. So, our monster this week is Larry Borum. Do we think that Larry Borum played out of his mind? No but do we think that Larry Borum's been doing some positive things and that development and work and hopefully coaching? um, I'm not sure. I'm the biggest fan of the offensive line coach right now. I think it's Chris Martin. Is that what it is? Chris Martin, I believe. I don't think I'm the biggest fan of him right now because I think that, um, number one, all the Tevin stuff in the offseason was a hot mess, and I think it was because of him. Um, I think that you not being able to choose a position for certain people and the way this line looks right now, I don't know why Sam Mustafer is starting. I don't know why you wouldn't have made the decision to not have Sam Mustapher in there. I don't know why you haven't made the decision when you have like guys like Riley Reef or Alex Leatherwood that or Michael Schofield. Some of these guys throughout the, the offseason and the beginning of the season that you wouldn't have tried to switch things around to just find what clicks best. I just feel like he kind of was like, all right, we're going to do this. And it's your quarterback's been sacked 23 times. This isn't working. You've got to do something at this point. Um, does he think this is the best option and that's why he's doing it? Maybe. Um, but I just don't see how 23 sacks in six weeks is your best option.
1: Yeah, I mean, last I checked, I'm pretty sure they're on pace to hit, like, over 60.
0: Yeah. And and Bur- just- so Burrow has 21. So he's right behind Justin Fields. Um, the most sacks, Justin Fields with 23, Carson Wentz with 23, Matthew Stafford with 22, and Burrow and Matt Ryan with 21. Russell Wilson were twenty, so those are the top sacked quarterbacks in the league right now. And what does what is correlating with all those guys losing football teams? Pretty much like the the Commanders aren't winning a bunch of football games. The Rams aren't looking really good right now. The Bengals have looking looked better the last couple weeks. The Colts aren't looking too great. They they won a couple the last couple weeks. So the Broncos look like crap.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) plain and simple, like. Today to win games in the NFL you need to pass the ball and if you want to pass the ball your quarterback has to be standing. He'll be able to protect you. Yeah. yeah, so.
0: It, yeah, and that's yeah, so that I mean pretty much bottom line. <laughs> like yeah. he cannot be on his back throwing the ball. Uh, that's it's not going to work. It's
1: actually against the rules. So <laughs> yeah, that's you true. have to have him standing. <laughs> so.
0: um, all right, so let's jump to this interview again. Like I said, it was the head coach at Brother Rice where Larry Borum went. Um, Dave Safron, he is now the wide receiver coach at a Catholic school in Detroit. Which is funny, I think they're kind of like rivals of his old school, so that's kind of fun. Um, but he was the guy that said, Larry, come play football. So we had to talk to him.
1: Yeah, it was a cool talk. All right.
0: All right, now we are joined by Coach Dave Soffrin. He was the coach at Brother Rice for Larry Borum. Uh, Larry Borum is our monster this week. And as much as the offensive line for the Bears has struggled this year, there has been glimpses of good and uh, what we saw from Larry this last week was probably his best game that he's had as a Bear so far, and so that's why that's why we're here, Coach. So thanks again for joining us. I want to just jump right into this. Uh, tell us a little bit about the start of Larry. The rumor has it that you were the one that kind of um, spotted this massive athletic human and said, come play football.
2: Absolutely. Well, the first time I met Larry, um, he actually visited uh, Brother Rice High School in eighth grade, and he kind of walked into the main lobby area and Kind of ducked underneath the door, which normally a, a eighth grader uh, at the time wouldn't wouldn't necessarily do that. So uh, right away he struck me as a, a one of the biggest young men I've ever seen. Um, and uh, you know I'm, I asked him right away, "Hey, do you play football?" And he's like, "No, I'm a basketball player." Um, so that kind of kind of how this, the the uh, conversation started, and uh, you know the rest is history, as they say. But um, it's kind of an interesting story how we ended up connecting and and uh just so proud of him and seeing him develop and all the potential that uh he now has
0: yeah I love hearing that because he he is huge and he's still huge and probably has gotten even a little bigger since then um did he when you did grab him over to come play football did he go straight to the offensive line
2: yeah I mean we knew he kind of projected as an offensive lineman um I actually saw him playing uh kind of uh like open gym basketball and, and watched how his feet could move and i was like man like he for a big man he can he can move pretty well um and that's when the conversation started hey have you ever thought about you know playing football um and he's like let me I'll, maybe i'll think about it i gotta talk to my mom about it um and uh you know i think a few months later he's like yeah i think i'll, I'll give it a shot
1: uh, you actually kind of just touched on it there. So as you said, Larry comes from a basketball background, and in basketball, it's a lot of running around, it's a lot of movement. You got to have some pretty good footwork, especially if you're a big guy like him. Do you think that kind of helped propel him in his offensive line career, where technique and footwork is so important?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think uh, in today's you know world, I think you need dual sport athletes, and uh, you know, there's no question that that playing multiple sports you know helps out. I think there's a stat that a lot of the NFL guys you know, played multiple sports in high school. And I think that's evident uh, when it comes to Larry as well.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about his junior season, because I think that's where he really broke out the first couple years. He kind of went back and forth between JV and varsity. Um, So what happened that junior season to really take him to that next level?
2: Well, you know, I think he really bought in, you know, to, to give in football a a true shot. And, um, you know, I, I, he, he dedicated himself to the weight room, um, you know, off-season training, um, you know, working on the craft, because, I mean, offensive line, a lot of people think that, you know, skill players are the ones that are, you know, always doing work, but O-line, you know, they're putting in so much time with footwork and mechanics, and um, having never been really coached in that, I, I think he really started developing, um, starting going to some of the college camps, and you know, obviously he's a big guy, so people took notice, you know, and I think he started thinking, wow, like, I might have a future in football. Um, but definitely his junior year is when he started taking football more seriously and, and uh, you know, probably thought, you know, there's a future in it.
1: So uh, Larry ended up going to Missouri. Um, what do you think ended up factoring that decision? What other schools were looking at him at the time? And do you think it was just the best spot for him? Or what What was the reason he went there, you think?
2: So, you know, it's interesting with the recruiting. Um, everyone has a story, you know, with recruiting. But um, I remember vividly I, I brought in a Division II, uh coach to watch him in the weight room. Um, and uh, we walk in and he's doing the measurables, you know, kind of doing his wingspan and some different things. And he's like, you know, let me see him do some squats and different things. So we're kind of watching. And I remember the Division two coach said, I don't think he can bend well enough. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I've seen him play basketball, I've seen him play football, like this guy is athletic. I think he's a division one type kid. Um, and you know, those evaluations sometimes are hit or miss and you know, um, it's the potential in some guys as well. And, and so, you know, basically what happened was he was a late bloomer. I mean, it, it, it happens all the time where you see, you know, seniors, You know, in kind of their final hour, they get an opportunity and and end up, you know, doing really well in college. And so Larry built a connection at a camp, a summer camp, with the Missouri coach. And Missouri O-line coach at the time, you know, saw some potential in him. And um, I think that was one of a few offers that he had. Um, But it's, you know, big-time college football, and I think that was the opportunity that he took. And um, I wasn't surprised when he started, you know, really developing in college, Ah, uh, with the right coaching and and the right people in place to help him develop, um, and that was a true success story of someone that had a lot of potential that that worked out really well.
1: So uh, obviously, from Michigan, there's a pretty big football program in state. Uh, did Larry get any interest from Michigan? And if not, did that was that kind of a chip on his shoulder? Or any like Michigan State? Obviously, he was another big one as well.
2: Mich- Michigan, Michigan State had no interest in Larry, as far as I know. Um, they didn't even know who he was.
1: Wow. Well, I think they regret that at this Mm -hmm. point.
0: Yeah. I I think that one of the things I read, Coach, and you tell me if I'm correct, that obviously his family was a working-class family, and because of that, Larry wasn't able to attend a lot of the recruiting camps and things like that, that some of the football players are lucky enough to kind of travel around and attend. Do you think that if he was able to do something like that, it would have risen and he would have had more offers from some bigger colleges?
2: It's certainly a possibility. Um, You know, again... um, someone who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, in, in, in high school that has, you know, potential and good feet and things like that. Um, you know, college camps were kind of just starting to to explode. I think the satellite camps were kind of a thing then. But, um, again, you know, without the ability to, to fly all over the country or drive to different places, um, yeah, I think it, it, you know, limited him a little bit to the exposure that he would have had. Um and also like i said his you know some of his film um he didn't have you know a ton of sophomore film um where you know junior senior year um you know those kind of those film segments were limited a little bit um with the amount of time he was in um so you know it, it seems like recruiting has become earlier and earlier and if you don't have freshman sophomore tape you know nowadays or film it it doesn't seem like you can get uh, a five star rating
1: yeah, I mean the crazy thing with recruiting these days, it seems like you'll hear about guys in, like middle schools getting mm-hmm. offers from like Michigan, USC, Notre Dame. So, I mean, at this point it's getting a late start is definitely uh not the easiest thing to do for sure. Um so something I want to know is we've talked a lot about Larry as a football player. What is Larry like as a guy? What is he like in the locker room? What is he like with his teammates?
2: Couldn't ask for a more sound character person. Um you know, having the the roots in his family of being kind of a blue-collar, you know, family. He was always down-to-earth, um, very, um, you know, goal-oriented in terms of his work ethic. Um, a lot of that came from his mom, who was a waitress and, and worked her tail off to, you know, be able to afford a private education in high school for him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of a locker room guy, I mean, I know I'm just saying this from from high school um, everybody loved Larry, um, all of his teammates, they just liked having him around, um, and it's a true success story, you know, honestly, um, you know, out, above football and outside of, of the NFL, um, he's a young man that, that you know, whatever happens uh, outside of football, uh, he's got great great character and just a, a, a person that you just want to be around, and um, I'm sure um, in his life now looking back, he's... He's, he's given back himself because that's the type of person he is.
0: I love hearing that. And when I reached out to, um, sorry if I say this wrong, Aaron Babbitts, who's your athletic director at Detroit Catholic Central now, he the first thing he wrote back was, what a great young man. And so to hear that immediately, we love seeing that sort of things because obviously we love good football players on the field, but we also love good people off the field. So Um, Love that. But I also want to just talk a little bit about a little bit about the football real quick, the football side of Larry and where he stands right now, coach. He um, like I said, he's he didn't start. He only started eight games for the Bears last season. And now we're six games in. There's obviously still some development to happen and some things that he needs to progress in. And one of the things that a lot of people are pointing out is that he is much stronger um, in the he's much stronger in pass protection than he is in run pro. What correlates to that? What makes a person a better at the pass protection than over run protection?
2: Well, I think, you know, obviously athleticism and a lot of people say tackles, you know, have to be able to move, especially with um, just the defensive ends. Now, the, like they have specialized defensive ends that just go into pass rush. So it's so important to, to equalize that type of talent on the defensive side. Uh, as players are evolving, I mean, NFL teams are starting to, you know, literally just draft pass rush specialists as as guys that uh, have, you know, as the game has evolved. So um, as as teams start passing more, um, you know, and he's got to protect his, his starting quarterback. I mean, that obviously the transition of of being able to uh, have sufficient pass blocking is is vital to the success of any offense.
1: I think in the uh, modern NFL especially uh the old saying that the left tackle is the position that you need to have the guy at isn't necessarily as relevant as it used to be considering how mobile quarterbacks are these days especially with a guy like Justin Fields for Larry Borum at the high school level do you think you're noticing the same kind of transition to where like the left tackle is no longer like the position where you have to have the guy and it's kind of more having a balanced offensive line as a whole
2: Yeah I think in high school there's a lot more spread offenses you you kind of need um athletic linemen in all in all five spots um you know so it's not necessarily that prototype you know six five, 280 pound you know left tackle with long arms that that you're looking for but um everybody has to be athletic in space and and um you know obviously as athletic as your offensive line that that's kind of how your your run and pass game can evolve is the athleticism of your line
0: Yeah, I think that a word that you used earlier in this interview was potential. That is what you saw in Larry Borum. That is what Missouri saw in Larry. That is what the Bears have seen in Larry. Uh, What do you think that Larry can do to just take that next step and be the starting right tackle in the NFL for years to come?
2: I always think, you, you know, a lot of it comes with game experience. I mean, you have, you know, rookies that, you know, they're learning the game and the speed of the game and. I mean, it's the NFL. It's, it's everybody is the best in their position in the world. So, um, to me, it's, it's him gaining confidence. Um, you know, just like he did in high school, there was a moment where, you know, it's one thing to think you can do it. It's another thing to know you can. And I think that just goes to college football and, and beyond that. It's, you know, that, that game experience is just vital, you know, when it comes down to, players becoming who they can become you know so um to me for him it's and i was obviously great to see him get some game experience but i think i think that um the starting you know position and and kind of owning that taking ownership knowing that your teammates are depending on you for that is is going to be a vital part of of his future
1: So if I were to go back to you eight, nine years ago when you first met Larry and told you that he had become an offensive tackle, starting right tackle for the Chicago Bears, would that be something that blew you away surprisingly? Or do you think that's something that's like, oh yeah, I kind of saw that happening? You know,
2: I think any time a high school coach sees potential in a young man and, you know, the dream is always playing at the next level, which is most of the time college you know, it's, it's a dream come true to, to see a guy actually go to the NFL and, and be on a roster. So yes, I mean, I saw a lot of potential in him. I know a lot of other, other people did as well, but um, you know, it's one of those things that it, it truly is a a, a success story. Um, and, and I'm just so proud of him to see, see him uh, reach some of that potential. Cause that's sometimes there's a lot of people that have those five-star ratings or great potential. And, and, you know, they, you never hear from them outside of college. They don't evolve in college. So it's good to see that, that happen for them.
1: Yeah. Or something honestly that I love to see is when you look at the draft most years, it'll be like, you'll see the first round and you'll see the former five stars, but there's often so many times like there's the JJ Watts or the other guys that are like two, three star athletes that doesn't necessarily get all the love in high school, but they got to the next level and they succeeded and they managed to work hard and get there. So it's just a great story overall. It is
0: absolutely well. I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, we will we'll let you head out. Um, it's great hearing good things about Larry. And like I said, I, I agree with you in the fact of the game experience is a big thing. People, fans in the NFL, media in the NFL are really quick to just uh, judge a player off of a few snaps of football. And I think that's just so hard to do, especially in the NFL. Like you said, there he's playing that tackle position where there are guys specifically drafted to take advantage of him. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you so much and good luck with all you are doing. You are a wide receiver coach now?
2: Yeah, so I'm over at Detroit Catholic Central now, and uh, we're heading into the playoffs next week. And, nice. Uh, I know there's some good football in Illinois and uh, and, and Michigan, so we uh, uh, we look forward to continuing our season.
0: Well, congratulations and good luck, Coach.
2: All right, thank all right, you. Thanks for coming on. having me.
0: All right, so uh, thanks to Coach Dave Sofer, and he it, It's kind of cool to hear the beginning of these guys' stories because Larry Borum went into school that day just like getting ready to go play basketball. And a, a co- coach comes in and says, Hey, like you should come play football. And whatever, four, eight, nine years later, you're the starting right tackle in the NFL.
1: Set him on a path to being a millionaire. Yeah. You know, he
0: should thank <laughs> Coach Soffron for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And obviously, like he kind of touched on it, like, it's important these days to have multi-sport athletes. And, like, you have so many of these uh, kids these days. Um, they do, like, AAU, travel, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And they're playing year-round, whether yeah. it's basketball, baseball. Football, not as much, obviously, because yeah. it's just so taxing on the body. Yeah. But when you're doing that year-round, it's stressful on the body. And when you're doing other sports, you know, you learn new things and you learn skills that kind of you can translate to other sports. And I think Larry did that with basketball, and you see that with a lot of players in the NFL where it's you have guys transitioning from different sports to mm-hmm. play in the NFL. And uh it's just I think it was a great story and it's really yeah. fun to hear about it. So
0: Yeah, and I think when you look at all our other monsters, almost every one of them also played basketball. Yeah. So it's funny. And because I know Dom and Trev both did. Um, at least for a little bit of their time. Jaquan, I can't I don't know if he did. See,
1: basketball is one of those sports where it's just like if you're athletic, you like can you, do you, you do can it. do something. Like you don't have yeah. to be the best shooter in the world, but yeah. like if you can run and jump really high, like You'd I played basketball done.
0: for like three years because. So, fun fact: I've literally been the same height since sixth grade. Oh, and so if you were you really don't tall know, back then. Yeah, like if you don't, you, if you've never seen me in person, I'm like five six and a half, and so it's not super tall right now. But when you were in sixth grade you're very tall. And like, I just stopped growing after that, though. So but I thought my doctors were like, you're gonna be like six foot tall. And my dad's six four, my mom's five eleven. So I was like, oh, okay, like, let me so I played basketball, I played volleyball. And then I just like never grew. And I was like, this isn't gonna work. Like, I'm not tall enough anymore. All of a sudden, eighth grade, like all the girls started like growing past me other than the point guards, and I was not a point guard. So that it just wasn't working anymore. But it was a it was a a good sport to go into when I was 6th grade because it learned number one when you're in team sports it helps you with a lot of things of like the social factors and learning how to work together and time management and all of that because you can't be late for practice. I remember that my my fresh my 6th grade year, my first year, our gym was under construction. So we had to jog 3 miles to the YMCA down the road, practice, and then jog the 3 miles back after practice, and that really taught me stuff. I was like This sucks. I don't know if I'm uh, the play sports type of person, but for some people, it works. For Larry, he had that option of like, come play football. You could still play basketball. And that's the one a lot of kids are like, but do I have to stop my other sport? And they don't want to do that. Um, It's interesting. I did ask him if he had any, like if he continued basketball at all through high school.
1: I'd I'd be surprised if he just completely quit it. I don't think so, especially considering the fact that he uh, didn't really get that much playing time until his junior year um yeah i don't know i think it's i think at a certain point you do have to pick a sport you know like once you get to like late in high school but like before that like
0: especially if you're wanting to further your yeah
1: but like i think i think it's just important to like you know play as many sports as you can Mm -hmm. and like diversify it and like you're going to stress less different parts of the body in different ways and your body will get used to that Mm -hmm. and i don't know i just feel like it's better overall so
0: and one of the things he talked about is like once he hit the weight room and that's a lot of things we hear too is like This guy was athletic and this guy like, you know, he was like natural at this position, but he just needed that extra work in the weight room to get his body where it needed to be. And this is one thing that he mentioned about Larry is how like aggressively he took over that weight room to be what he needed to be, especially his junior season. Um, But one of the things that jumped out and I kind of mentioned it before the interview, too, was the game experience side, because I asked him, I was like, you know, Larry's had the word potential has been used on every level. When he saw Larry duck through the doorway to get into the school, he saw potential as a football player. He didn't know. He didn't know if Larry Borm could play tackle and on a football field and then missouri missouri was taking a little bit of chance because the kid didn't have a lot of game tape he wasn't on varsity until Restore his junior guy. season yeah like so it's and then he goes there he only starts 19 games at missouri and the bears get him it was it the fifth round yeah i feel like we get everybody we've talked about is like a fifth it's rounder. all
1: late round picks <laughs> all, i mean we haven't had any top round picks yeah that's true years, so
0: um, ryan pace gave all those away um but so then you, the Bears are looking at him and they get him in the fifth round. And I remember last season, like that he wasn't a starter. Obviously, he didn't come in until once injuries kind of started happening everywhere. I can't even remember everybody that was on our offensive line Bobby last year. he's
1: still there. He wasn't. A, there. He I wasn't cannot there. remember.
0: I know obviously James Daniels and Charles Leno were on our line last year. I cannot remember who was I the right remember tackle. Right tackle, tackle was it
1: la- Larry? Life. Yeah. Um. Not important. I think
0: I blacked it out because it was just so bad. Yeah. But
1: it was bad enough to where a fifth round rookie was starting. Starting, yes. So.
0: Yes. Um, so to me, you cannot judge Larry Borum where he is at yet. Like, can you be critical? These things need to be fixed. Yes. But can you say, like, this guy is not going to make it in the NFL after what we've seen and eight starts last year with an a terrible coaching staff. We already knew it was a disaster. If we're going to say that Justin wasn't able to develop back then because of the coaching, then we also have to say that for every other player that were on the bears last year. It wasn't just Justin playing under Matt Nagy and, and crew. Um, so, uh, and bears over bears, beer, bears over beers. Toaster. Yeah. I can, uh, I always have to really think about it. Um, they, Jeff and EJ broke down Larry Borum this year too, uh, this week. So it was kind of funny because as you and I were discussing, we went through a few different names of who we should uh, potentially do uh, pick this week, and I was like, "What about Larry? You know, like I've seen some good things that he played pretty decently this last week, and uh, just so happens that they were breaking him down too. So it was kind of perfect. I'm going to go through some of the things just real quick, Dylan, and let you. see what you think about these specific things so number one the one thing that Jeff says is there's just like there's a lot of inconsistency in Larry's play his pass blocking is way better than his run block and he goes through he talks about you know he has a big frame he has a quick reaction to the ball a quick first step but he has a major issue and I've noticed this tell me if you've noticed this too because as soon as Jeff said it I was like yes I've seen this several times um he has the issue where and I don't know if he says the word anchor he doesn't anchor well he gets shoved back into Justin. So he's not like he's not letting guys fly by him, but he's getting put. He's not— Still
1: pressure's being created. Yeah,
0: and almost sometimes that's worse because when Justin's sitting there about to release the ball and your 300-pound offensive lineman just runs straight into your face, um, that's when fumbles happen. That's or when the ball might... goes off the back of people's heads. Yeah. That's when stuff like that happens. Um, and I've seen that several times. I didn't notice who exactly was creating these things, but it seems like Larry Borum has this issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something you want to see. Um, But I will say one thing, though, is inconsistency is something that is uh, epidemic amongst young players. So it's not something that I see and I'm just like, wow, I'm terrified, you know. But the thing with him is he's got to get more consistent. It's got to be more, hey, I'm not just successful in this pass blocking rather than the run blocking or, you know. And I think it's important for him, you know, to just... Put the work in and see yeah. if he can actually improve himself as a player. And I'm optimistic about Larry Borum as a guy. I don't think I'm th- right now thinking like we need to get another right tackle. Yeah, but I definitely think we need help on the offensive line. And for sure, I think at some point we're going to get, get more of a veteran presence in there too. Because yeah, because these young guys need someone to look at and someone to be a leader for them. And don't get me wrong, Cody Whitehair has been around for what like seven, eight he's, years yeah. at this point, and he's he's good. He's a solid guy, but like. He's not a Kyle Long to yeah. me. He's not an offensive line leader. He's not a guy that's gonna be in there, you know, taking the guys, making them accountable. And yeah. I think at this point, this we can't we can't do it now, obviously. Yeah. But at the in the offseason we're gonna have to go get someone that can be like a leader for these guys because they're so young and they need someone to step up for them. Yeah.
0: Well look, I'll tell you a prime example right now, and we've mentioned it on here before that you and I both work at Ten Ten XL in Jacksonville. One of the things that the Jags spent on this offseason was Brandon Sheriff. the Jags offensive line has gotten so much better just by adding Brandon Sheriff, the veteran presence on that offensive line. Like literally they went from probably one of like the bottom 10 to a top 15 offensive line just by adding this one veteran piece. Um, He's an all pro. He's great. He's a little older and had some injury issues. So that's what people were like a little bit worried about. But man, what he's done with the offensive line in Jacksonville is amazing. So I, I agree. I think that's what the Bears have to do this offseason. And luckily they have money to do something like that.
1: Hey, maybe since there's no, no Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace will give Kyle Long a yeah, position. Bring he can Kyle just, back. You know, hang out with the guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that they pointed out was that he doesn't get a lot of help on that side. Um. Uh, and Jeff pointed out that normally that right tackle is the one that will get help from like the tight end or something a little bit more. And they'll, you know, get a chip block from one of them. But they have to because Braxton's playing so bad, they've been sending that sliding. extra help on the other side. Yeah. And so that is interesting because he's kind of doing it on his own over there. And teams are figuring this out. Teams are figuring out his inconsistencies, and teams are figuring out that his pass blocking is so much better than his run blocking that what they're doing is they're taking they're full-on taking advantage of that. It's so predictable. And it's the opposite from what Jeff was saying on the other side. Braxton is really good at run blocking and sucks at pass blocking. So what teams are doing is when they know it's a run, they are just going over Overloaded to Larry's side. side. When it's yeah. a pass, they're going to Braxton's side. And it's becoming so predictable, and defenses are picking this up really fast. That's a problem.
1: Yeah. I mean, if your guy for, like, Justin, too, is just like – we don't have any kinds of plays where I'm not getting pressure from some place in the line, you know, yeah. like runs, like obviously like Justin's not getting pressure, you know, but I'm saying like Khalil and those guys, like David Montgomery and Khalil get hit a lot behind the line to their credit. They don't go down. They stay up and they keep getting yards. But so, like, imagine if they get hit for the first time, like five yards past the line of scrimmage, yeah. like how far will they go? Yeah. You know? And I think it's the same thing with Justin when he gets off of those runs. So it's frustrating. And like, it's very hard to be successful in that situation. Yeah. And like, I think it's very clear that a lot of guys in this team like it pisses them off that they're losing. You see a lot of look a lot on these guys faces. like especially Justin too like he'll be Mm -hmm. sitting on the bench at the end of the game like looking off into space being like what the hell. You know so like I respect that they aren't just okay with getting the paycheck you know. Yeah. Like just um, taking the paycheck and you know being happy with that and like they want to win but at the same time it's just like. Play better,
0: yeah, well, and that's why I just ran through a bunch of things that didn't sound good, but all of those are kind of related to the same factor, as I said, the run blocking situation and then just the just the getting pushed back, and he kept using the word anchor, so I'm guessing that's something in your footing, like making sure your feet aren't getting shoved back when somebody when you're doing a, sounds when like you an have a block, to me. yeah, um, I don't know all the technical terms of an offensive line, but that's what it sounds like to me, but when you look at Larry Borm, he has he's allowed two and a half sacks um this entire season so far. I don't bad. I don't think that's bad. I think that especially like I said, he is, was technically starting this season, only had played eight games in the NFL. Like started eight games in the NFL. This offseason was a disaster with the offensive line too. There were so many different things happening and like we didn't know who was going to be starting. At one point Tevin was there and then at Riley Reef was there and it was just such a disaster. I didn't know what our line was going to look like. But when you look at certain things and you out of 23 sacks, only two and a half are on your right tackle that we just spent how much time, uh, how many things he's doing wrong. And still he's only allowed two and a half sacks. Sacks aren't everything. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that factor into an offensive lineman being good or bad. But it's it's promising to me, and a lot of people, when I was watching Jeff, Jeff kind of says, is like, I don't see him being the right tackle for the Bears in the future. I see him being a swing tackle. I disagree with that. I think that, um, not saying that that's not definitely 100% not the case, but I don't think you can make that judgment yet. Just like right now, you can't make the judgment that Justin Fields isn't going to be the future of the Bears, like the future NFL franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah, and I do think a lot of something that offensive linemen have to struggle with is, there's so much, There's not, no, There's another. very few position groups where, like, individual success is so overshadowed by the lack of success from a group as a unit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if Larry Borum's having, you know, solid games and the rest of them are not playing well, it's kind of lost. Because yeah. it doesn't really matter if Larry's playing well because there's still other guys hitting Justin. Yeah. And it honestly makes his job harder because he has to, you know, overcompensate and stuff. So yeah. Obviously, he hasn't had a perfect season, but, like. Two and a half sacks is a very acceptable number to where we're at this point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't I don't think he's definitely our right tackle of the future, but I also don't think he's not. So I think I'm very open-minded with him going forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like you said, when you look at it's easy to attach a unit all together. It's, it's easy to be like, the line sucks. Has the entire offensive line sucked every game? No. Um, there was a moment, I think it was last week, I think it was last week where they called penalty, and it was literally like they just said offensive line, and I was like, "Did everybody jump?" Because like, <laughs> what is happening? Um, but there, he did have a bad penalty too. There was at the one point where he was like blocking, like uh, it was like way past the line of scrimmage, and the runner was uh, like whoever was running the ball. The I want man to play or something.
1: Like yeah. What, yeah,
0: and I was like, Larry, like those are things you can't do. I get more mad sometimes over those dumb penalties than I do over. A, a sack during the game you know like sacks are going to happen like coach sovereign said like these guys now are being drafted specifically to be pass rushers and get after your quarterback so you're not going to win all, every single battle especially when you're young and still figuring some things out um, but what you can't do is dump penalties to where it just takes away a big play that just happened
1: yeah well lucky for us it's not like we're playing a really good defense this week
0: <laughs> yeah yeah which speaking of that i guess we can get into that game a little bit because the Offensive line has to figure out something this week or this yeah. is gonna be very, very messy. If you yeah. Granted, rewind for a second, let's also talk about the Washington defensive line, especially that middle, is good. Yeah. Like they have some very, very good. First round picks all over it. Yeah. And so it wasn't like they were that happened against some whatever schmoozy de- defense. It was a good defense. That 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 solid, happened too.
1: Solid defensive line. I don't know if I'll take. take yeah, a good sorry, defense. not defensive as yeah. a whole. The
0: defensive front. And
1: I, but I will say, no Chase Young is important too. So. And
0: if D- Chase Young was there, we would. He probably would have been sacked eight times. Yeah, <laughs> like so bad. But so when we look at the Patriots, Patriots. first of all, who's starting? Zappi or Mac? I think it's me, Mac. Do you?
1: I do. I, at this point, I think it'd be very surprising to me if they. So quickly went away from a first-round pick quarterback who didn't play bad last year. Personally, I've never been a Mac Jones guy, but like, he surprised me in terms of how well he played. Mm-hmm. He didn't play well enough to where I was like, this guy's going to be the best quarterback of the class, or yeah. like, you know even the future of the Patriots, but I was like, oh, like surprisingly well. He struggled out of the gate this year. He supposedly was having some back problems before he hurt his ankle, um, and now Zappy's in, he's played really well. Patriots fans, it seems like they moved on from Mac. It's kind of surprising how fast yeah. they moved on. but Oh
0: my gosh, so quickly. Yeah,
1: and I don't think, but to this point, I think it's two good games from a backup quarterback is not enough to sit Mac Jones yet, but uh, he's definitely on the hot seat, I'd say, a little that's bit. That's just,
0: like, prime example to me of what I picture a New England fan as, like, they are. They've just been so spoiled for twenty years after having Tom Brady that they think they just like deserve another. They're all in their head right now. Are like this is another blood so Brady situation. Like Matt gets hurt, then the backup comes in, and he's going to be good for the next twenty years. Like Happy, Zappy, yeah. Like they are. And if that ends up happening, I'm going to be so annoyed. It'll be like
1: the Packers two point with Oh my Rogers god. And Favre. So
0: annoying because it's just like. It, it, you don't deserve that. Like, you just had 20 years of you got to like glide through life and win seven Super Bowls and just like live at happiness.
1: Seasons. Yes. I
0: need that. The Patriots need that. The Steelers need that. And the Packers need that. Yeah. They need I've... a little life check of like, you got to suck for a little yeah. while.
1: And I will say like, to, to the, the, uh, your credit. I think the Steelers and the Packers are on that way. The Patriots, will... I'm not going to count them out until Bill's gone. Yeah. So whenever that happens, that I don't happens, know when is but, that going
0: to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah. So when we look at the Patriots defense, though, they've sacked the quarterback eleven times this season. That's the one, two, three, four, fifth, tied for fifth most in the league. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. They've averaged two and a half sacks a game. Uh, the Bears just cannot get to the quarterback. They have seven. Uh, so hopefully. The line takes some sort of step up, or this is going to be very messy. But if you had to look at this game and say, like, one thing has to happen for the Bears to be able to win this game, what would it be?
1: Play a complete game. You know, like, you can't just be asleep in the first half and then come out and play from behind. Like, yeah, it's got us in games for the last few, and we've won one or two of them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that's not a winning formula. So, like, I want to see consistency. You know, like if we lose this game and it's competitive and I feel like i have seen this every week in broken record. Like <laughs> It's just like, if we lose this game and it's competitive, I'll be okay. But yeah. like, if we win, like we went against like the Texans, I'll be more mad. Yeah. You know, like I just want to play well and play consistent and like have a complete game as an offense and like hell as a defense too. Like let's just look solid for one week, please.
0: I know. And f- like you said, for an entire four quarters. Um, yeah, I think for hell, me... I'll take three at this point. <laughs> That's true. I-, I think for me, it's... Take advantage of your red zone visits because I don't care. I I know it gets frustrating, and I had complained about it the weeks before, like, oh, another field goal, like another field goal. Take field goals at this point because last week two field goals would have won the game. And I I get we want to see touchdowns and we want to see the offense move, but at this point our offense isn't good enough to be consistent and do that for an entire game, let alone – get to the red zone and face a defense like the Patriots and get into the end zone every time. Um, I just want to see them drive the ball like they were doing last week, but when they get to the red zone, put some sort of points on the board. Like, I just want to see something. Uh, I want to see a little more creativeness in the red zone because I just feel like it's so predictable. Like, we're like, what are you doing? Or it's almost like Justin is just panicked, tossing it up to somebody that he hopes can catch the ball. I feel like that's what happened when the Ryan Griffin one. Dante Pettis one and Darnell Mooney won were kind of just like lobs like alright I'm going to try to get it to you and were they terrible passes no but were they like right on the money no and I think it was because Justin was just trying to get a touchdown desperately
1: yeah and I don't know I do think a lot of it is the play calling as well like if you're a third in or let's say let's say like you're eight, you're eight yards out from the goal line if you throw three passes and you don't get anything you're still eight yards out mm-hmm. you know and like at a certain point it's just like you got to be a little bit smarter with the play calling like we're a very good running team like Maybe try running a little bit more, you know, Uh and obviously it's important to throw the ball. And I do think part of it is like the last few weeks. I do think the offense has tried to throw the ball more, Uh but it just hasn't necessarily worked that well. And I'm not saying you should go away from it because I think it's important to try and develop that and adjust that. But like put Justin in positions where he can succeed. You know, don't make him drop back all the time because he's clearly not at a point where he's comfortable doing that. Uh Get him out of the pocket, get him moving, let him throw on the run. And set him, put him in positions where he succeed. You know? like Let's see some of those bootleg play-action plays in the end zone where yeah. you know he could roll out and find Dante Pettis where he needs to touch down. They exist. He can do it. So, They're like, there somewhere. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's why I think that the one thing about Bill Belichick, what he's going to do and what he always does is takes away your biggest weapon. Our biggest weapon right now is our run game. So I fully expect Bill Belichick to say, do not let them run the ball.
1: I mean, he had a thousand words to say on the Bears. So yeah. he's clearly prepared.
0: It's <laughs> so funny. He was like, that's an impressive team. I was like, you are a liar.
1: Yeah. Um, he complimented Trenton Gill.
0: <laughs> I mean, Gill's been playing pretty he, he's decent. Been,
1: he might be a monster yeah, one of these weeks. He has to a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's. I think Bell's going to do that. He's going to take away the run. So we're going to have to figure out ways to pass the ball. Um. And we saw last week, was it Montgomery last week that caught the pass? for? It was like a... He had a long run, right? For, or like a long pass catch.
1: I think so. I think that it sounds, was him. It's been a long time. <laughs> I know, it has yeah, been, a been a long time. it a long
0: time.
1: I do I, remember Khalil had the one really big run. Um, yeah, I
0: know he had a run. I just picture like David Montgomery like right away. Oh, are they going with David as a starter? He just said, Iberflue said, with the, uh, going with the hot hand running back moving forward. What does that mean?
1: Whoever's playing better.
0: Is that Khalil right now? Would you say?
1: I I mean like probably Khalil, but like I wouldn't. I mean like I don't think one's played so much better than the other. I mean David was hurt for a little bit. Yeah, so obviously he wasn't able to play, and you know like there's a little bit of a Wally, just a Wally Pip situation going on there. It's yeah, where like he's losing his job. You think, but like. I don't think he's been bad enough to where I'm like, hey, like let's give Khalil the ball all the time. So, do you
0: think they would just like full on alternate like half and half, or do you? Think I think about, that's kind
1: of what he's saying. Yeah, I think it's more like, hey, like if Khalil's having a good game, we're gonna like, we'll the let ball. him keep the flow through it. If they're both playing similar, we'll you know we'll do that. So yeah. But I think hearing that that makes me think David's not sticking around. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, like if you were like, this is our guy going forward, like you'd be giving the ball a lot.
0: Yeah. So. Man, I cannot remember that play. Um, I just remember like. A little toss to David Montgomery, and then like a long like, dang it, I can't. It could have not even been last week because they're blurring together now because we didn't do a podcast last week. But yeah, so I think that we named some of the things that have to happen. It'll be interesting to see Mac or Zappy or how quickly, let's say, they do start Mac if Mac's not flowing. If they'll come back out in the second half with Zappy,
1: I would be so surprised. Like he, I think he'd have to play terrible. Bad. Yeah, because like he hasn't been that bad this year. Mac. Like he's been not good, I'll say that. But like has he been like terrible? Yeah. And, and like it was like what well, he played like two or three games and then yeah. like Patriots fans were Oh, zappy, 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 and like well, I get Well, that's just it. because
0: Zappy came out and had like incredible games. Yeah, and like, like I
1: under I understand. Like I get where that comes from, but at the same time it's just like I don't think anyone could be like, yeah, Mac Jones, like it's a sunk cost at this point. Like it's, he sucks, you know, like whatever, like,
0: I don't think that I just wonder if bills like go with the guy who's playing well, like go with the guy who's hot right now and is clicking with the offense because Mac wasn't, um, that's, the only reason not that i think they would like bench mac for life like i'm yeah. just wondering if they would like end a momentum right now because they just want to put a guy in because they drafted him yeah. i don't see bill bill doesn't care about feelings like bill's yeah. not and doing it to like also, save his feelings he also
1: doesn't care we got drafted either and i yeah. will say that to his credit like he would bench a first rounder for the better guy yeah. but i just don't think they've given up on mac yet
0: so i mean yeah when you look at mac's numbers for example so he was one and two um but he had 66 percent completion 786 yards but Two touchdowns, five interceptions.
1: I mean, not good. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a Mac Jones defender by any means. But I just, I don't think they're going to go away from him yet. I just really don't. I yeah. think it, I, it would not surprise me at the end of the year. They're like, yeah, Mac Jones is the guy. I personally never thought he was going to be the guy. But like, right now, I just don't think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And then Zappi has, he's 2-0, 72.9% completion. Five hundred ninety six yards, four touchdowns, one interception. It just would be hard for me. Like I'd be mad as a fan if they put Mac in. Like as a Patriots fan, I'd be mad if they put Mac in this game after that, that when just looking strictly at those numbers and seeing how one is performing, like I would and I think the Bailey Zappy time is going to fizzle out. Like I don't think he's going to be some like incredible where we see it all season long. But it'd be really hard to take a guy out who's performing that well. I think he had, what was last week? Like 300, 300 yards I yeah. think or something like that? Yeah. Like it'd be, I'd be so angry. 70% completion um, he had last week. And I can't find the yard. Oh, 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like I saw a, a thing well. the other day that said only 12 Bears quarterbacks in history have done that, like had those numbers.
1: Yeah. Has Justin thrown for 300 yards even yet? I don't think so. Yeah. So like, I know it's, it's, def- I think
0: the closest may have been. At Steelers game? Um, yeah, because yeah. he threw a ton.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I'd say, to this point, I still think they're going with Jones. If Jones plays terrible during the Bears game and they're benching for Zappy, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world by any means. But to this point, I think that they're still going with, uh, going with the guy they got. And, uh, I now, don't know, Patriots offense isn't scary at all Who to would me. you
0: rather face? Like, if... I'd rather
1: play Mac Jones, personally. Yeah, I think he's better, or I think he's worse mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, But I also don't necessarily think that, like, Haley Zappi is, like, the future, per yeah. se. I just think in the He's moment— He's hot right now
0: when you're hot. like
1: I'd rather not We see him. guys
0: like—we've seen guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick come in and have, like, streaks of games like that, but the Bears ended that one. And, like, ever since the Bears crushed Ryan Fitzpatrick in Tampa, like, they haven't—like, they hadn't been the same until hey, they got Tom.
1: Young quarterbacks have come out of nowhere against the Bears before. I mean, I don't know if you remember way back when. Thursday night, 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. absolutely dragon. The Bears all over the field with Will. So, like, mm-hmm. it's, it happens. Yeah. So, I it wouldn't shock me if Bailey Zabby comes in the second half if Mac has, like, a terrible first half. Yeah. But, Like, at the same time, like, I just don't think they're going to get it's so early to get. I mean, like, he, he was voted the top 100 player by the Pierce. I know. This year. Like, which
0: that is hilarious. It was surprising. That should not to have me. happened. It
1: was surprising. But, like, that means the players at least have some little respect for him. Like, he's not bad. Bro. Yeah. I mean, like, he, me. he's not. Yeah, he's not terrible. Yeah. He, may, he you might see, be bad, but he's not terrible. Did you
0: see Andy Dalton throw three picks last night? I did. I, did. I was like, did You oh, see Kevin Andy. White? I did, Kevin, Kevin White, White catch. I was like, yes. Uh, Andy Dalton to Kevin White. I like jokingly, it was like two former bears making plays yeah, somewhere it, it else. Was... But like I cheer for Kevin White. Like the poor kid. It's not his fault. And like I think that it's it's funny to me when people are like, He was a bus, he was a bus. It's hard for me to call someone a bus that just had injury issues. And when we talked to the coach from Lackawanna he cuz he was there for a little bit and he even said like Kevin White would get injuries that like no one heard of before that injury like yeah. it it would be some weird like i don't know he said he tore something or broke scapula or something like that and he was yeah. like it just doesn't happen and Kevin White it happened to
1: yeah i think my Kevin White they had a Kevin White Kevin White memory would be uh the Patriots Hail Mary that almost happened Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. On the one yard line. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky was in the year we were good. We yeah. Just barely lost to him, but
0: was that the year too that Cordero ran ran a punt back?
1: I I don't think Cordero was. It was I think that was he the, was on
0: the Patriots.
1: Oh, on the Patriots. Yes, yeah. yes. 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 Yeah. I was going to say I don't think. Yes, he was yeah. on the Patriots then. Yes, you are correct.
0: Um, because then I think the next year we got him, and I was yes. like, oh yeah, he ran a punt yes, back. You against
1: are correct us. about that. But yeah, that is my one Kevin White memory of yeah. his several years with the Bears.
0: Yes. Um. All right. I mean, I think that. Oh, just real quick because. Yeah. So he has never thrown two hundred. He had two ninety one against Pittsburgh and two eighty five against Minnesota last year, and that's the most.
1: Yeah. So let's, um, let's you know let's eclipse three hundred yards this week. That's he's my also. Goal.
0: I don't think he's never thrown more than two touchdowns in a game either. <sighs> yeah. So we gotta figure that out. Um. Yeah. So anyways, Larry Borum was our monster this week. Hopefully, um, if you guys go w- back and watch the Bears over Bears, it's really good. Just because Jeff is, like I said, a, a little anti-Larry, not anti-Larry, because he said he likes Larry, but he just thinks a Larry. Down. Yeah, he's a little down. Da- he said there's a lot of issues in that Larry. He sees more of a swing tackle and not in that position. But he's super honest when it comes into like rating, and he just rated this last game. Um, if you go to Lester's, Lester. We'll go through and break down weekly the offensive line and who does what and how many sacks of what. So you may get a little bit of a better idea from for the year long from Lester. But if you want to see specifically this last game and what we saw that was good out of Larry and bad out of Larry, um, that is in Bears over Bears this last week. But we got Patriots Monday night. uh, Last primetime game of the season. Thank God. I know. Done with them. Uh, everybody else in the world is done with them. They're like, Taylor, we don't want to keep watching your Bears. I'm like, I don't want to watch the Bears on Monday night We either. don't
1: make them play yeah. national TV <laughs> games. The NFL does.
0: Uh, but anyways, this is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we will catch you guys next week.
1: See you then.